Mark Spencer is a friend of mine. He is a man that pastored this church for, I believe, about nine, ten years back in the 80s. Impossible being as young as he is, but yet true. So he knows and loves this church. He is a man that has, is one of our go-to men in counseling when we're having situations. He's counseled many people in this church, helped us walk through challenging waters. And it's our privilege this morning to have Mark Spencer with us in the pulpit. Let's say, let's reach out our hands and say a word of blessing over him as he opens the word to us. Father, I thank you for my brother, my friend, my co-worker, Mark. I thank you for the blessing he's been to my life. And God, I pray that you would speak to us through your servant this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 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 Good to be with you guys. That's mine. Yeah. How are you? Good? We're the cabin list. Can't capture that. Right? A um, couple of things. I don't know, is, is this a young man that was a drummer this morning? Yeah. Would it be okay? I think I have a word for him. Would it be all right to, yeah. Uh, is that all right? Is that cool if I, I think God gave me something for you. Is that cool if I offer it to you? Yeah. Yeah. You stay there, I'll stay here. We'll kind of do this long distance. I would text it to you, but I have really slow thumbs. So here, I, as soon as I walked in, I walked in for worship practice. As soon as I walked in, I, my eyes locked on you. And God said, he's my drummer boy. And I said, well, what does that mean? And so I was asking the Lord. I was walking along here praying, and I was looking at you. And what was unfolding was you have a lot of energy. And God's going to get a hold of that energy in many different ways. But there's a number of different ways that he was saying to me. He said, there's a ton of creative energy. That's a, a ton of creative energy. And God has given you that, and he wants to use that. It's part of how uh, he wants to communicate to your generation. I'm too old. You can handle it. You'll be able to communicate. Oh, i got to turn this on. There I go. Um, and uh, the other thing was I saw you. You were, you were building uh, percussive instruments, and they were crazy looking. They were all kinds of percussive instruments. And then you were sitting with these percussive instruments, and there were times where you would play the song of the Lord with these percussive instruments. It would be like a, 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 just a rally cry. There was this sonic uh, flow that would come. And so you're not just a stand-in here. I want you to know that you're not just a stand-in. This is, this is part of God saying, hey, this is part of how I made you. It's what I have for you. And actually, it's going to be really fun. It's going to be super cool. So there you go. The other, the other thing that, that hit me this morning, uh, Kent was talking about your, your uh, picnic next week of baptism. Those are so important. I remember when we were church planning in River Falls, and I was a resident director on the campus there. And uh, when I first met my boss, who was kind of the dean of whatever it was, and uh, he, he had heard through some people that I was studying to be a minister. And he, he asked me straight up, he said, so you're Mark Spencer? And I said, yep. And he goes, are you, that, are you studying to be a minister? And I said, yes, sir. And he goes, why do you believe that? Bah, I can't say it in church. <laughs> and so I, I said, wow, I didn't realize we were going to hop in here. 
I said, I said, do you really want to know? And he said, no. I said, okay. So when you know it then, you know, we, we planted the church. There was a number of students that came to Christ. And the Kinnickinnick River, say that three times fast, flowed through town. And a number of the students, uh, they were very new to the whole thing. And one of the things that they saw in the book of Acts is you would become a believer and you get baptized. So they said, hey, Mark, can we get baptized? I said, sure. Let's, let's plan on doing it down at the river. So um, I think there were seven students that were going to get baptized. And we were out in the Kinney and uh, we're worshiping. And wouldn't you know it, around the bend of the river comes this dean trout fishing. And everyone's worshiping and their hands are raised up. And I look out of my peripheral vision and I see him and he's just like this. But he stayed the whole time watching you. So uh, two days later, we had a staff meeting. And after the staff meeting, he says to me, he goes, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. He goes, was that you down at the river? I said, yes, sir. He says, what were you doing? I said, well, we were baptizing people. Why do you do that? I said, because the Bible tells us so. <laughs> he says, yeah, but what does it mean? I said, oh, do you want to know? <laughs> yes, he said, I want to know. I said, well, good, I want to tell you. I said, it, it's a picture because Christ has come and he has taken our sins and he was buried and then raised to new life that we might have new life. That with him, we too could be buried, identified with that death and everything that we're carrying, everything that we can't undo, all the things that just haunt us and taunt us and, and just weigh heavy on our mind, all those things can be buried with him and you can have a new life. And I looked at him and he had a tear running down there. And he said, I could have a new life? I said, yep. I wanted to say, yes, even you could have a new life. <laughs> I didn't. So... He said, oh, he said, that's really interesting, and that was it. So we had a couple other conversations, but then uh, we went away for uh, Christmas break, and when we came back, he had given his life to the Lord. You know what was interesting? He baptized himself in his own bathtub. <laughs> I, is that legal? <laughs> in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, he kind of puts himself down. I said, I don't know if that's legal, Ken, but Jesus loves you anyhow. I love Jesus. You love Jesus? I just think Jesus is so amazing in, in how he moves and what he does and how he speaks to each and every one of us in a very unique way. And when Kent had asked me to, to speak this morning, I was thinking about some of the very basic things of discipleships. And when Jesus launches this whole change the world mission, and it's, it's a crazy idea. I mean, imagine God says, I, I, need to, I need to redeem the world. I need to change the world. And, and so, you know, all the angels are kind of listening. What's the Trinity up to? And finally, you know, the, the Trinity is, is ready to send the Son and the whole Christmas story is going to unfold. 
And the plan is to send him and he would live this life on earth for 30 years. And then for three years afterwards, he would pick these 12 unlikelies and drag them around and do ministry. And then he would die. Can you imagine this plan? This is his plan. This isn't like, well, we looked at some other plans and we just picked this one out of our hand. This is first choice, only choice plan. And yet, in the core of this plan are some very, very significant things for us, again, to refresh ourselves. And so I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew 4, kind of where this is happening. And as we read this verse, I want to read it slowly and have you listen because there's really two massive questions that we, we are asking almost continuously in our life. Wondering about, searching for, digging at, hoping that we could get some understanding. And they're, they're answered in this just this little opener. So, Matthew 4, verse 19. Jesus gets ready to launch. Come, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Come, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. I've Counsel people for almost four decades now. And I would say that the two most common things that people see me about are answered in this verse. The first one is, who am I? Really this question of, how can I be the best version of me? How, how do I really discover who I am? How do I become everything that I'm supposed to be? That's a massive question. Just taking a Myers-Briggs or a DISC profile won't help you answer that. There are so many angles to it. Who are you? How will you be the best version of you? And so many people wonder that. And then the second question that people come to me over and over and over again is, how do I get along with people? Right? It could be family, it could be your mom, it could be your dad, it could be your brothers or sisters, it could be your neighbors, it could be people here at church, it could be all kinds of things. But people are wondering, how do we do this? And Jesus is really answering these really two gigantic questions that we're always asking in life. He, he's, he says, I, I'm going to make you and I'm going to help you reach others. How? How? And it's a very simple answer. You're probably going, this is so elementary, Mark. But it's foundational. Without this, the rest of the book doesn't happen. Without this, you won't get those answers. Without this, you won't find that life. What I'm about to tell you is the thing. It's a foundational thing. Very simple. Challenging to practice. The answer to how you're going to become the best you. The answer how you're going to be able to really love others like he loves you. 
How are you going to be able to have fruitful relationships? Is follow him. Follow him. Oh, I can feel it in the room. Oh, that's it? That's it. That is it. That's the foundation. He says, if you follow me, I'll make you. If you follow me, you'll be fruitful. It's foundational. It's simple. It's challenging. It's challenging. Almost every Sunday, there's a family or a couple that are getting in the car for the adventure of going to church, and they're having that conversation. Right? And in the moment you're having that conversation, are you watching to follow him? I remember one time sitting with a couple and they were, they were, it was escalating and they were arguing and arguing and arguing. And, and you know, the, the, we had just talked about the fact that, listen, you can't control your anger. No, oh, no, I can't. She drives me crazy. He drives me crazy. And they're going on and on and on and it's escalating. It's going up and all of a sudden the phone rings. And he's like, rah, 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 and he grabs the phone and he goes, hello. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we had a long talk about how you could slow it down. What would you do if you recognized Jesus is there? Because is he? It, yeah. He is. He's going, wow, I wish they'd pick up the phone when I call them. <laughs> now, I want to tell you, I want to give you some examples, some practical examples about how this following can really help you find you, how it helped find me. Because I, I, I'm kind of a billboard for the unlikelies. You know, I, I, I think when, when it was the day that Spencer was going to get finally chased down by Jesus, I didn't find Jesus. He found me. He got me. I'm sure the angels were like, oh, do we have to have Spencer on our team? was unchurched, unlovely, lost. I didn't know who I was. I thought I was going to be a pro football player that dream of dash, three concussions later. Not a very good performance my senior year. It's gone, and I'm lost, and I'm, I don't know what to do. And, and so I, somehow, God, I wind up getting this job at St. Olaf, and I'm in charge of 300-plus freshmen, a recovering drug addict in charge of 300-plus freshmen at a non-alcoholic college. Hmm. I'm feeling the pressure, have no idea who I am. And one of my student workers, Steve Friswald, comes to see me, and he is fast becoming a friend. Steve was always happy. I suspected this kid was on drugs. He was always happy. I found out later he's a Christian. Why does that make you happy? I said, most Christians I know aren't so happy. They're kind of like baptized in lemon juice, you know. (laughs) He just smiled. But this night he comes, October 17th, 1980, he comes. He knocks on my apartment door, and he comes in, and he is down in the mouth. This boy is sad. I said, Chris, what's wrong? Comes in, sits down, he goes, well... My fiance and I, we broke up. I said, oh, wow. We sit down. He goes, oh, it, it's okay. We prayed. I said, oh. He goes, no, we prayed. I, I said, yeah, that. He goes, no, we prayed. I said, that's fine, Steve, that you prayed. 
He goes, you don't believe in prayer. I said, we're talking about you. You just broke up with your fiance. We're not talking about me. He said, I want to talk to you. He goes, I want to ask you, do you believe in prayer? I said, wait, wait, wait. I said, prayer's fine, but you got to... You got to do something more. If you broke up with your fiance, you got to have, like, you got to do some work. You can't just pray. He goes, you don't believe in prayer. He goes, do you want to pray now? He was the gunslinger, this guy. <laughs> I'm his boss. I said, well, yeah, sure, fine. I'll pray. So he, all he says to me is he says, listen, if you want Jesus in your heart, you just have to ask him. That's all he says. And so I'm watching because I've never prayed before. I'm watching, and I'm, I'm watching what he does, and he bows his head, you know, like a good Christian boy, bows his head, closes his eyes. So I close my eyes. The minute I close my eyes, all of a sudden, God is this close to me. It's like, whoa, whoa. And I start to see the low-light reels of Mark Spencer's life. The three times I should have drowned as a kid. The times where I was shot through a windshield and... Uh, was in that emergency room, the cop case said, you were this close to hitting that tree. We'd have been burying you, boy. The times where I dumped motorcycles, the drug overdoses, all the crazy things, falling from a third-story window, all the stuff. And I realize as I'm watching this thing, I'm thinking, my life's a wreck. It's a wreck. And so, the, you know, I don't know what he was doing, but I was seeing all this thing, and and finally, I said the first words aloud. I said, well, listen, God, if you want my life, you can have it. And I opened it up. I opened up my eyes then, and Steve was gone. It was two hours since we started praying. It seemed like two minutes. Now, I don't know anything except for just ask Jesus in your heart. That's all I know. But now Jesus has jumped on that opportunity because he's in my heart. And he's like right here. No one told me to do this. And I'm kind of glad no one told me. No one said this is what you got to do next. I stayed up all night confessing my sins. And believe me, it took all night. Just saying to the Lord, I, I got to get rid of this. And I don't feel good about that. I didn't know what I was doing. But I just had to keep talking to him and saying, would you, this was bad. Would you, you know, and so we're just having this honest conversation. The next morning when I, when I, when I go out, um, something must have happened because I'm walking out and some students that were in my dorm see me and they go, hey, Spence. And I go, hey, and they go, wait, 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 did you shave your beard? And I said, I didn't have a beard. <laughs> and they go, man, your face. And I go, what's wrong with my face? And I went a little bit further down, the same thing happened. These students said, hey, Spence. And I said, hey. And they, they looked at me and go, you shaved your beard. I said, what's with the beard? I don't have a beard. It's your face. And I go into the cafeteria and I sit down. And some of my student workers come over and they sit down. And they look at me. and they, I said, don't say it. I did not have a beard. They go, yeah, oh, you shaved your beard. I said, I did not. But see, in this, in this moment, what was happening is this Jesus, this living Jesus, is now in my life. He's beginning to show me some things. Who I really am. Things that I've been trusting in and hoping in. Saying, no, 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 not that. Two weeks later, I'm filling out work reports and I hear a voice. I don't know where, where it came from, but the voice said, start a Bible study. And I was like, yeah, right. 
went back to work. Hear it again. Start a Bible study. Yeah, right. Hear it again. Start a Bible study. Okay. I don't know who's telling me to start a Bible study, but I'll tell you this. This is what I know about a Bible. They're all black, and some guy named King James wrote them. You'd think that would have disqualified me. So I put a little index card down in the downstairs door, exit door of Ellington Hall, Bible study, Headrez apartment, Tuesday, 7 o'clock. Thinking no one's going to see that. Maybe the janitor will come. Tuesday night comes, 47 students are in my apartment. Oh! Oh! You see, when you follow Jesus, where is Jesus going to take you is going to be where he dwells. It's not going to be the Mark Spencer calling, because if Mark Spencer does Mark Spencer calling, it's just little. Jesus takes you to these big spaces where you're like, help! That's where he takes you. But you see, in that moment as I followed him, as I followed him out of my conversion, out of my confession, as I followed him by that little tiny drop of faith and put that sign up on that downstairs door, all of a sudden I started to realize I'm called. I didn't know what to call it. That's what some of the guys that came to there told me they went to this weird church called New Covenant where there was an even weirder pastor named Gary Gilbertson. <laughs> Dragged me down that hill, which I'm so glad for. But I, I, I remember talking to these. Hakun Smith was one of them. And I was talking to Hakun. He goes, what do, you, what do you think the Lord is doing in your life? He goes, I don't know. I think I'm supposed to work for him. He goes, like, like a pastor? I said, what's a pastor? He said, you know, a pastor is like he's, he shepherds a church. I said, like they're sheep? And he goes, no, 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 you, you care for people. I said, I think that might be it. But I don't discover that if I don't follow Jesus. What might you be missing because you're not following Following's not just for beginnings. Following's for guys that have been in the ministry for almost four decades, like me. Because when Kent texts me and says, hey, do you remember, tomorrow's Matt Schoening's center, and are you coming? And I said, oh, is that tomorrow? And he goes, oh, funny man. <laughs> and then we start going back and forth, and we realize that Jim McCracken's not going to be able to make it because Mel is passing. And now... Yours truly is going to speak. And I, I've never been able just to like dig up an old sermon. I can't do it. I can't do it. So I had to push back my anxiety, push back the temptation and say, Lord, I want to follow you. What do you want to say? And I heard really clearly, tell them to follow me. Tell them to follow me. So today... Last night, I needed to follow him. And as I do that, I discover more and more who I am, how he's made me, who I am to him and who I am to others. But I, I, I have this understanding, but it comes by following. The following isn't just for me, though. 
That's what Matthew 4 is all about. The following is about also noticing the people that are in your path, in your circle. The Great Commission is probably best rendered to say, as you go, as you move through your day, as you're going through your day, watch, follow me, pay attention. Not too long ago, I was in a coffee shop. We were talking about healing. The person who was helping us, we couldn't help notice, had some kind of impairment with their neck and their shoulder, and they were kind of, and I said, you know, we probably should pray. Here? I said, no, there. We should probably go pray for her there. And I don't know about you guys, but if you're in a coffee shop and it's early in the morning, one of the most dangerous things you can do on this planet is get in front of people before they got their coffee. <laughs> right? So anyhow, I say to this guy that I'm mentoring, I said, come on, we're going to go pray. And so he's like, we can't just go. I said, yeah, but look, she's hurting. So I, I said, miss, come over here. We'll make this real fast. I can't help but notice how you look like you're in a lot of pain. And then she, she started to tear up. She goes, oh, my neck. I don't know if it's from the car accident. I said, it's okay. I said, I got, I got something I, I just want to ask you. Would it be okay if we prayed for you? She said, sure, I appreciate prayer. I know. I said, I mean now. Now? Yeah, right now. And would it be okay if I put my hand and prayed for you? Well, so the line's starting to buzz now. Because, like, we need our coffee and you're holding this up, you know. She goes, okay, okay that's okay. So we put our hands and we pray, Lord. Would you, would you touch her? And so we pray, get done praying. You feel any better? She goes, I don't know. She goes, I, I feel peace. I said, that's good. It's a good start. Pray a little bit more. But when I used to go back for the second prayer, I look over my shoulder, and the whole line of people are like this. Oh. Oh. Have us a little prayer time. I said, oh, since they're feeling holy, we're going to pray a long time. <laughs> No, can't tempt. So we finished praying, you know, and I, the Lord was doing something to this young lady's heart in the line. They, they eventually got their coffee. But you see, as the Lord's leading me, he's leading me into the lives of others. I found this out after I became a Christian. And people were asking me if I shaved my beard. It was, it was about a month after I had received the Lord and I went home. And I have a younger brother, Matt. One point in time, he was on staff here. And I, I, I was seven years older, and I wasn't a good big brother. And now he could really beat me up, but then he couldn't. And so my brother, he had grown up watching me, and I was a wild child, always in trouble. And so anyhow, I'm heading home, I pull into the driveway, and I'm getting out of the car, and when my brother sees me, he can tell something's different. And so he comes out the door, and he goes, What's with you? I said, I don't know. What do you mean? He goes, well, what's with you? I said, I don't know. Like what? He goes, your face. There's something different about you. And I said, oh, well, I have Jesus in my heart. And my brother said to me, he goes, well, can I? And I said, sure. And he prayed right there. So then I walked in the house. Matt went down a different direction. My younger sister, Mara, Asked my brother, Matt, what's with Mark? He goes, why do you ask? He goes, his face. He goes, oh, my brother Matt goes, that's because he has Jesus in his heart. My sister Mary goes, can I? 
and they prayed. This is nuts. My sister Lisa, who's a year older than me, was an addict to heroin, was a street child, did all kinds of crazy things. She comes in a little bit later, and I'm going downstairs. She's come upstairs. I go, hey, Lee, how you doing? She goes, good, Mark. And then she, turns, she does one of these. She looks at me, and then she, she, she goes down to my brother Matt. She goes, what's with him? He goes, he has Jesus in, her, in his heart. She goes, can I? And they pray. Three for three. That's not Mark Spencer. That's not Mark Spencer. That's Jesus just leading the way. But you see, when you're following Jesus in those moments, it impacts the people around you. It has incredible power. I was doing a, an intervention, and it was one of the craziest interventions with this guy that just had a myriad of addictions. And we had, uh, it was several families that were in there and some friends, big group of people, uh, I think 17 people in the room, and it had it'd gone off the rails. Arguing, screaming. I thought, okay, man, they're gonna, it's going to come to blows, and I'm just sitting in my chair. I'm just sitting down here, and, and, and literally people are yelling over the top of me, yeah, 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 So I, Lord, what do I do? What do I do? And the proverb came to mind that a gentle answer turns away wrath. So I just, I went like this. Could we sit down? Could we please sit down? Just they say that tone. And they're screaming, could we please sit down? Finally, it was like someone whacked him in the head. I think Jesus probably did. And, and, and they stopped and they go, what did you say? And I said, could we please sit down? And then the guy that we were, we were trying to help get into treatment, he goes, I don't know why you're so calm. And I tease him back. I said, it's because of Jesus. <laughs> I just couldn't resist. And it was so goofy. He goes, is it really? And I said, yes. I said, I was a crazy addict. I was wild. I, was, I told him some of the things. I said, when the Prince of Peace gets a hold of you and you let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, you have peace. He plopped down in the chair and he went, man, that's what I want. So you can have that. You see, when you're following Jesus, it affects the people around you. It has a dramatic impact. As you, as you follow his lead, you can't help but bring the presence of the Lord the peace of the Lord, the joy of the Lord. Think about it right now. Some of the challenges in your life, the relationships, maybe broken relationships, struggles where you don't feel like there's any way that you've been able to figure it out. Have you asked Jesus to lead you through that and have you risked following him? So often people come and see me and they'll sit down in the council room and they'll tell me their story. And I'll say, after I listen, I give a good listen, I'll say, what's the clearest thing the Lord said to you? Almost all the time, ladies and gentlemen, people go, I don't know. I said, that's what you got to start with. Not in a shame way, 
No, 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 no. What are you, are you goofy or what? No, no, no. You've got to start. The call starts and continues and will finish with following. Following him. Following him at work. Following him in the neighborhood. Following him in your marriage. Following him in your parenting. Following him in your ministry here. Following this living Jesus. He's alive. He's, he's here. He's here. You can't lose him. He's inside of you. He's made it so, so that you can follow. And in his presence, there is fullness of joy. There is peace that passes understanding. But you know what? The reality is, is that we don't always follow well, do we? I don't. There are times where I'll be in situations and I think, oh, why didn't I ask that? Or why didn't I offer that? Or why didn't I pray for that? Why didn't I respond this way? Ah. I took this solo thing. And so the foundation of what Jesus is saying is that if you'll come and follow me, if, if you'll come and follow me, I, I will make you. You will discover who you really are. And not only that, you will begin to have fruitful relationships. But we almost need some kind of a, a help, of something that will nurture us, because we're not going to bat a thousand, are we, people? Anyone here batting a thousand? Because I'll sit down and you can talk. I, I know I don't. I don't bat a thousand. So what Jesus says when he really is going to make this invitation is he, he has this blanket statement, which you could read and you could misunderstand, because Sometimes this word gets twisted and used in ways that maybe it shouldn't be used. But this is what Jesus says in 417, the Gospel of Matthew. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, how do you hear that? Do you hear, repent, you naughty people, shape up? Or do you hear, hey, I have brought all the resources of the kingdom of God with me. And I'm going to give it to you. And guess what? Because of all those resources, because the kingdom of heaven is near, because I've come, you're going to be able to change. You're going to be able to learn. You're going to be able to grow. Guess what? Even Mark Spencer will change. No. Yeah. Yeah. So you can miss these things, but get back on the horse. What would happen? I don't know how many people are here. What do we have? 200 people here this morning. What would happen if when we close this service and we pray, we say, oh, Holy Spirit, would you fill us afresh that we would go through our day following the living Christ? At the gas station, at the restaurant, in our neighborhood, at the park, at work tomorrow morning, when my boss comes, the one that I'm always saying, oh, God bless him really good, all of a sudden it's different because we're following Jesus. We might read about it in the paper, what happens. 
When I was a pastor here, I had a folder this thick of presbyteries that were transcribed. And I would weekly read through some of them and weep. I used to say, dear God, if one-third of this would come to pass, not only would Eden Prairie, not only would Minnesota, not only would America, the world would be different. I don't say that to shame. I say that to invite. Get back to following. Get back to following. After the Gospels close, you get to the book of Acts. And the kid that was the captain of the team, the one with the big mouth that was always saying he was going to do this and he was going to do that, was now back on the scene, having been restored. I don't think anyone here in this room has ever gone public saying, I don't even know Jesus. We've had some boo-boos people, but I don't think we've gone public with that kind of thing. This guy was warned by the living Jesus. And he went three for three and heard that rooster crow. Ouch. I guess you and I don't have any reason to quit, do we? We haven't struck out that bad. But here he is now, and he's hanging out with his buddy, comes from that rich fishing family. And this is the guy that said that he was Jesus' best friend. He was always leaning on his shoulder. He too, in the moment of need, where Jesus truly needed a friend, bailed, ran away, ran for cover. Now here they are. What do you do? Fold it up? Say, well, let's look for the next cool thing. No. They realize that what they got to get back to doing is following this Jesus. So they make their way to the temple because that's where they can pray. That's where they can connect with this Jesus. As they're making their way to the temple, there's this guy that's crippled. He's probably been sitting there for a long time. But this time, because they're looking for Jesus, all of a sudden, Peter notices this guy. Like I noticed the drummer guy. And what does he say, people? He says, hey, I don't have any money. But what I have, I give to you. It pulls him on up. That's not Pete pulling him up. Pete can't pull him up. Pete sinks in the water. That's Jesus. Pete's just following Jesus. Oh, and there's a holy uproar with all the Pharisees. What's going on? We thought we had finally gotten rid of this Jesus character, and now look what's manifesting. And you know what they said about Peter and John? Acts 4, they said, 
you the guys that hang out with him. You've been with him. Probably one of the first and clearest right answers the Pharisees dissed out in a long time. That's right. We've been with him, and we are with him, and we are following him. I'm not worried about what's happening in the world. I'm not even worried what's happening in the church. Because I know that even in this room, if we would take this word to heart, and if today you and I would commit with a renewed commitment, not by the, the sweat of our brow, but by the grace of God, by the Spirit of God, that we would put our feet down and say, this is the day where I am renewing my commitment to follow Jesus in everything that comes my way. We'd see the revival we hope for. Do you believe me? We'd see it. We'd see it. Do you want it? I'm hungry. I want it. Not just for lunch. I'm hungry for lunch too. But I want to see the people of God follow the living Jesus because Jesus does cool stuff. He changed the world then. He can change the world now. I'm not worried about that. So would you pray with me this morning? Would you be as crazy, maybe as elementary, maybe as so simple as Spencer to say, yep, yep. I hear the gospel call. Come on, drummer guy. We need to tap out some songs for the Lord. Lord, we read it right here in this living and active book. Would you, by the power of your spirit, right now, as people have their eyes looking to you, lift them above places where they went, I tried that, didn't work. Let the story of Peter and John eradicate that. Let them be free. Because the kingdom of heaven's near, we can change. But oh, what a change it would be when the people of God follow you, Jesus, step for step, at home, at work, in their neighborhood, on the roads, wherever they are. God, not just for City Hill. Your church, God, your church, would you breathe again the simple and powerful fact that you are with us. We simply just need to follow. I pray, God, that this simple truth would have barbs in our heart and in our mind that we would not be able to shake it, but we'd hear the constant call and invitation of the living Savior saying, come, follow me. I'll make the way. I'll make the way. So now, Lord, have your way. And we'll follow. For your glory and in your name.